Two people dead after an explosion on the Crimea Bridge connecting Russia to Russian-occupied Crimea. With the latest, we are joined by Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European Affairs. Good morning again, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Can you tell us about this latest, this attack on the Crimea Bridge? So what we know is um, Russian reports uh, say that two uh, Ukrainian, what they call naval drones, uh, hit the uh, the car traffic side of the bridge. The bridge has a rail side, which was hit a few months ago before and repaired, and now it's the road side that's been hit uh, by these two drones. The traffic was halted and remains halted. The bridge, the piers are fine, but the surface side is leaning over, so there's going to be substantial repair work to be done on that bridge. Incredible. Yeah, I guess we'll see how that develops and unfolds. Then also, we were hearing details about the Black Sea grain deal, the state of mm-hmm. it, where we're at, and the impact it may have. So, t- so tell us how this whole uh, thing came to be and, and where we're at in the Black Sea grain deal. Yeah, so about, about a year ago, in fact, uh, last summer, uh, a deal was struck with the Turkey being the negotiators and as well as the United Nations to broker a deal that would allow uh, both Ukrainian grain and fertilizer and Russian grain and fertilizer to leave their respective ports from the Black Sea through the Dardanelles and to be shipped outwards, mostly for the the, um, uh, the, the developing countries in, in Africa and so on, where there was a grain shortage there. And so the deal was brokered. Now, and it's, it's up subject to periodic three-month renewals. And the Russians were complaining throughout the year, basically, that uh, they were not able to fully implement their side of the deal because of sanctions, uh, Western sanctions, which, uh, which impeded things like, for example, uh, insurance for their boats. Uh, because, the, yes, the boats could leave with the grain. That was okay with the deal. But because of other sanctions, they couldn't insure the boats. So that was an issue that had to be resolved. And the other one that's, uh, that's talked a lot about now is that the, um, the, the Russian bank that deals with the grain deals, the Russians want that bank reconnected to the SWIFT banking system. That's that sort of international credit system bank. And the West does not agree to that as of yet. So the Russians are, are playing hardball on this. And basically they said as soon as their, their uh, requests are met, the grain deal will come right back online again. And the Turks are, are, uh, are working on it. Uh, Erdogan has already scheduled a trip to Moscow uh, in, uh, in August, and, and that will continue. So it, it, it's suspended for now, but it's not really a done deal. There's some bargaining going on there. And, and an important one, Andrew, isn't it? I mean, the end of that deal can create a, a huge food shortage in other parts of the world. So this has to yes. be re, you know, renegotiated, right? Yes. Yes, yes, and, and I can't predict it, but um, I, I, all this, my sensors seem to suggest that this is a temporary suspension uh, and that, and that the, the deal will be made. It's just a lot of bargaining has to take in place in the West, I think, is going to have to lift, lift some of those sanctions. And so that, that's where, but yes, because it is very important, and everyone sees that. This is a deal, actually, that works to everyone's advantage if it actually works. And that's why uh, the Russians are actually have for a year actually fulfilled it because it's their interest, it's the Western interest, Ukrainian interest, African interest. Yeah, it's in everyone's interest. All right, Andrew, let's look uh, back to last week, the NATO leaders meeting, and they did welcome Finland and, and Sweden to the organization. The path for Ukraine to become a NATO member, we're hearing that this will happen, you know, perhaps after the war, for example. Uh, but is that lip service? Do we see a world where Ukraine is a member of NATO? 
So the, that NATO summit was uh, in Venice was very important. I call it a reality check summit because this whole issue that you described of Ukraine's relationship with NATO was actually clarified quite uh, well uh, because of the debates. And there was a lot of debates within NATO on this issue, uh, as well, of course, as, as Ukraine. Ukrainians were not happy. They wanted to have stronger language and, uh, and well, they would have liked to be in now. But the point is that the, the alliance was divided on this. And so uh, in, in the press, even, there were statements made very clearly by NATO officials that uh, the final deal says that essentially uh, Ukraine is not going to join NATO until the war is over. That language is not written in the communique. It's more language like when there is consensus among allies, when the time is right, Ukraine will join. Okay, that's what it says. But the explanation was given clearly, you know, no Ukrainian membership until the war is over. Now, as consolation prize, if you want to call it that, uh, Ukraine got uh, a, a, a pass on what's called a membership action plan. So at the time when Ukraine is invited to join, it will get a fast track the way Sweden yeah, so Finland has gotten, and Sweden should get. But we have to remember that both the uh, Turkish and the Hungarian parliaments still need to ratify the Swedish membership. So it is not, as of yet, a done deal. It's been invited, but not ratified. So the point is that for Ukraine, they, they walk away with, with something in the future, but not while this war is going on. While this war is going on, what they get from NATO is continued commitments for support from individual countries. NATO as itself does not supply stuff but the individual countries do and like the g7 has signed on things canada's part of the g7 has signed on saying they will do more stuff it's not specific not outlined commitment you know deals will be worked out so and the war grinds so that's kind of where we're at Andrew, ultimately we are close to the 18 month mark of this war i remember when we talked to you right at the beginning yeah. how long do you think this might last andrew uh, if okay. anybody could look into their yeah. crystal ball and find the answer but uh, you know how do you think things are going at this point are we still pretty much in a stalemate yeah i, I, I yes i mean yeah okay so let me amplify yes it's a grind a grind uh the ukrainians are moving a little bit further like east in their in their offenses but but they're up against a very deliberate russian defense and so they realize they cannot punch through the way they had hoped to punch through. So they're trying to wear down the Russians. It's a war of attrition, and, and the Ukrainians are calling it uh, asymmetrical attritional gradient, uh, which means they're going to try and, and sort of cause more damage to the Russians than the Russians can cause to the Ukrainians. And at some point, they're gonna, the Ukrainians hope to wear down the Russians at some areas of the line and then punch through. Now, the Russians are doing their own limited counterattacks while they're doing defensive operations, and they're making very, very small increments. So the question is, how long will this war of attrition go into the fall? And we cannot predict it, but, I mean, even the American General Milley has said this is going to be a long, grinding, bloody offensive operation. So we can assume it will go on after the summer, but then it culminates because both sides they have to take a pause. You can only keep up a, a, a memento of an operation for a certain period of time. And basically everyone is saying by the fall at some point, this thing is going to sputter out and everyone's going to have to sort of take stock. At that point, the question will be, how far have the Ukrainians gotten in terms of their offensive? Is there a prospect for a ceasefire at that point? It's probably not, but that question will come up. And then if the answer is no, then the only other answer is more war for 2024. As you get, you're going to have to go through the mud season again in the late fall and into the winter season, and we'll have a new cycle of warfare. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where we, that's the best crystal ball I can give you. 
It's the best we've had, uh, well, certainly in, in quite some time, and we appreciate your insight, Andrew, because, yeah, it is a very complex situation. Uh, thanks for uh, clearing it up for us. We appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. Bye. That is Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European Affairs.